It's very good to be before you this morning. Uh, I'm William Glover. My wife, Emily, is over here. Um, you may be able to tell that I was the missionary because of my garb when I came in. You can tell that this is probably not from around these parts. And so, uh, before we start, I'd like to thank you, first off, for allowing me to come and speak to you all on a Wednesday. It's very rare that a congregation allows me to come and speak to them for two and a half hours, and so I really appreciate that. <laughs> Emily's going to get sick of that joke. I love it because I love to see people who think I'm serious. I love to see people just, oh man, I'm came for the wrong Wednesday. But I'm from Zimbabwe Missions. It's a, a group that was started uh, back in about 2014. Uh, My wife and I, we joined uh, early 2018, and this was our first year, this previous year, 2019, was our first year on the mission field. In my life, it will probably change, but right now there are two years that I'll never be able to forget. 2016, because that was the year that I was married to my wife, and the year that I was uh, baptized for the right reasons. And 2019, because that is the first year that I was on the mission field. And so I'm very excited to be able to share uh, with you all what we've done uh, during this year. We've got a a PowerPoint that's not being cooperative, so I'm just going to tell him to go on to the next slide. Oh, there we go. It worked. Surprise. Technology is so amazing, but it's just the slightest thing that just throws it off completely. Uh, During the year of 2019, we had many, many blessings. You can see on your far right that that it's me and Emily, and we're at Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is the widest waterfall in the world, and so we're very blessed to be uh, very close to Vic Falls, as we call it in Zimbabwe. And so while we were there doing mission work, uh, we decided to stop uh, in and see it for ourselves. Uh, and it was just an amazing sight to see. It was something that, you know, you look at that and it just really makes you wonder how people can see the world and wonder if there is a God. Because it's just proof right there in front of you that God created this world and he created it so beautifully. In the middle, we have one of our projects, the feeding program. This is, uh, no, this is Sunday, excuse me. But these are some kids that regularly attend our feeding program. And in this photo, you can see them there. We've given them some school supplies, and we've also given them dresses. Uh, One of our groups that supports us, they were kind enough to make dresses out of pillowcases. And so they were just the cutest little dresses, and these girls were so excited. Uh, You know, they get clothes from the States quite often from different humanitarian groups. But when they get a dress that has been handmade, it completely changes uh, the way they see that because, you know, that's an American woman who spent her time to make a dress for them. And then this uh, far right photo, I mean far left, excuse me, the far left photo, you can see Emily with her head wrapped up uh, traditionally. If you're going to attend church services, especially in the rural areas, or attend a funeral or a wedding, it is proper for you to wrap your head in a Zambia, which is kind of like a very long piece of cloth that is commonly used for a skirt. And so we have that picture up there as well. 2019 was, was a, just a wild year for us. You know, something that 
I didn't expect would change my life as much as it did. I don't know, you know, you go into things like this and you think that, you know, I'm not going to be changed by this. You think that, you know, most people when they go into this, that completely changes their life. And I underestimated how much it would change my life. And I don't think I'll be able to just look at things the same way ever again because of this mission work. You know, just like in life, mission work isn't perfect. You may go in with plans on doing one thing, like we did. We planned on working with a school when we first went. And throughout the year, we saw that the school wasn't going to be completed due to funding issues and other various things. And so we were trying to figure out how were we going to be able to be used. And so through talking with our elders, through talking with different organizations, through meeting with the elders there in Zimbabwe, we know that there is such a dire need in Zimbabwe for more rural area congregations. In Zimbabwe, it's very common for a person not to have a car at all. And so when you have, for example, in my hometown, where I live is right in the middle of McNary County, Tennessee, right in the middle of summer. And to get to my parents' house, which is in Stantonville, it's a seven-minute drive. But we know that if I was to walk seven miles by foot, it would take me far longer than it would driving. And so when you have so many people in these rural areas of Africa where they have no means of transport, oftentimes they don't have the means to go to a church that's only seven miles away. And so you need more churches in these rural areas for these people who cannot travel uh, far. But our goals have always been evangelism, encouragement, and education, and we continue those goals as we move into 2020. Um, This is a picture of Zimbabwe. And so Zimbabwe, as you look at it right now, you've got all these different covered colors, excuse me, provinces. And so this orange one here in the left is called Metabelaland North. And then below that, you have Metabelaland South. And so Metabelaland North and Metabelaland South, they are the areas that we work in. Uh, Metabelaland North and South, uh, as you can see by the name, they have a very common word, Tebele, Metabele. That is the tribe who live in that area. And so we work with the Metabelaland people, and they speak uh, Debele, which is a Bantu language. Most people know Bantu languages by... And so, you know, if you ever hear the clicks, that's, that's most likely a Bantu language. And they originate from southern Africa. And so that's the area we work with. If you pay attention, you can see there's a little red dot in between Metabelaland North and Metabelaland South. And that's the city of Bulawayo. It's the second largest city in all of Zimbabwe, and that's where my wife and I live with our mission teammates. And that's where we're based out of. And so... Right now, uh, we have two congregations that we have planted. Uh, We left our first congregation of Amazon there about an hour down into Medellin South. And our second congregation, which was started just in this November, uh, is in Sapaba, which is uh, about 30 minutes closer to Bulawayo. And so they're right there on the same road. Uh, very familiar with how to get to both of them, and so we were pretty blessed that during our first year we didn't have to learn just a whole lot of different routes uh, to get to the church plants that we were working with. So in 2019, we went in with some simple goals, and 
originally we thought we were working with the school, so we didn't broad, broaden our view just a whole lot. But with no longer working with the school, with planting churches, we have this opportunity where we're going to have this free time. And so we wanted to add on new projects that I'm going to talk to you about tonight and things that will greatly help the evangelism efforts in Zimbabwe. Uh, the first one is the Churches of Christ. You know, it had always been, you know, we wanted to plant more churches in Zimbabwe. And so we saw this opportunity of leaving the school as a good opportunity, a good chance now to go ahead and start this program. The Churches of Christ is a very, very important name. We have a problem in Zimbabwe. When you talk about a church congregation, whether it be the Amazon congregation that we first started, the Sapaba congregation, or any congregation within town, they always refer to the congregation as belonging to someone. So, in their language, they call me Baba Nchebe, which translate loosely into Father Mustache. And so, when they talk about Amazon Church of Christ, when I was the minister there, they would say, that's Baba Nchebe's church. And you can see where that leads to problems. Because even though I may have been very crucial into beginning this church, into planting this church, this church does not belong to me. I, I tell them all the time, do not call this Inchebe's church. Do not call this William's church. Don't call it Kosi's church. This church belongs to God. I did not die for your sins. And so this verse that Emily has uh, put up here, she found this perfect verse, and it sums it up just great. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters it is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And that's what this program is about. You know, I may be the one who starts the church building, but I'm not the one who started the church. The church was started by God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we teach people. Uh, you can see here, we've got two pictures. The one on the left, that is Amazon. It's got a thatched roof. Uh, it's a little pavilion there. It houses about... Um, Max capacity, we've had about 200 people in there before. It was a very packed Sunday. But those kids right there, they're the ones who regularly attend the feeding program at Amazon. And then on the right, that is Sapaba, the new church plant. And they currently do not have a building. Uh, that's one of the reasons I'm back here in the States is to fundraise for their building. We were worshiping in someone's house. It was a very small hut, much like you see in the movies where it's just you know, dirt on the walls, grass on the ceiling. But we quickly outgrew uh, that hut. And the weekend that we left, it was 61 people. And we could not fit them in the house. Although the singing is beautiful when you have that many people in the house, when there's only standing room, it's time to move it outside. And so there were a couple of trees, and we started worshiping underneath the trees uh, there at Sapaba. We were very blessed at Sapaba. Uh, one of the members gave us her farming land. She knew that we wanted to plant a church building, that we wanted to have a well for the community there, that we wanted to have a place for the ministry to live. But to do that, we needed land. And so she donated her farming land for the church. And so I have this crude doodle that I've made just to show you uh, what she gave up, this 1.15 acres of land that she used to use 
to feed her family, and now she's going to be farming somewhere else with some other family members, and she gave this for us. Uh, the yellow just uh, square represents the pavilion, the darker yellow square, and the gray squares under that represents toilets. The three squares besides that is the minister's house, and of course the blue circle is the well. And so we have contractors who are from Zimbabwe who are, we're going to be working with, and they're going to be in charge of uh, building these things for us. And we're very excited about that. The Scripture for Souls, this is something that we raised a lot of money for on Facebook. And we were just amazed by how much money people were willing to send us. It's, it's a big problem in Zimbabwe that they don't have Bibles. You know, you are very blessed here in this church building because I want you to look in front of you and down right now in that pew. You see a Bible there, don't you? We're very blessed because we have these little pockets on the back of our pews that if they don't have songbooks in them, they'll have a Bible. You don't have that in Zimbabwe, especially in the rural areas. And so we go to rural area congregations that are already established, and we distribute Bibles in their own language. Uh, this year we distributed about 300 Bibles, and so we were very excited uh, on that. Um, I know that the number was over 300, but we're going to say 300 flat. And for every year further, we're going to distribute 500 Bibles every year, and that's the goal. If we go over that, that's great. But our goal for every year after that is 500 Bibles. And so, if I was to open my Bible in front of you, and we're all in Zimbabwe now, and I flip over to the New Testament and I say, all right, everybody turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 53. We're going to read about how you have to give me all your goats to enter into the promised land. Now, if none of you have a Bible... Are you going to be able to refute that I don't have to give you any goats? No, you can't. And so, many times people are taken advantage of in these ways. You know, these people who, they want to learn more about Christ. They want to enter into the eternal reward. But they are being led astray. Just because they don't have the word of God. And so, that's one of the things we're very passionate about. Is getting these Bibles to these people. So that way they can test what their ministers tell them. So that the way they can always check them and make sure that they're true or not. The Meals for Children, I talked about this program last time I was here. It's very common in Zimbabwe that kids do not get the proper amount of nutrition that they need. Um, I guess it used to be similar in the United States. Because my grandmother, my great-grandmother... She used to tell me a joke that she didn't even know that the chicken had any other body part besides the wing that was edible when she was growing up. Because, you know, her parents, they'd eat the breasts, they'd eat the thighs, they'd eat the legs, and she'd get the wing. And so it's, it's sad because, you know, these kids, their parents cook in the house, and then they eat, and then whatever's left over they give to their children. And you think about it, that's, that's really rough to treat your kids, but when your kids aren't making the money, you can kind of understand where they're coming from. Because the parents who are making the money, you know, they're the ones going out and earning the money, so you know, they've got to be healthy, they've got to have nutrition to go out and make more money for the family. But it's just a very sad state to see, because they just lack so much in nutrition. I want to point you to the bottom right. There's a boy in a white shirt, and he has his arms kind of like this. Kids in Zimbabwe, when you ask to take a picture of them, especially in the rural areas, you'll see the wildest poses. Um, Many of them have never had their pictures taken before, 
And so they really do enjoy it. And I guess they think they're cool when they do stuff like this. You know, I'm just trying to take a good picture to show people. But, you know, as long as they're having a good time. But that boy in that white shirt, you can't read it because you're a little too far away. But it says peace, love, and then it says the name of the first grade uh, elementary school that he uh, got that shirt from. That shirt was sent from America, and that boy is in the fifth grade. That's how malnourished these kids are while they're growing up. That a small, that I checked the back of his shirt just to see what size that shirt was, and it was a small. So a first grader here wearing a small is the equivalent to a fifth grader there in Zimbabwe wearing that shirt. And he was about average size uh, for the fifth grade boys. And it was, it was very shocking when I had realized it, you know, being around these kids and they're so small every day. I mean, every Saturday when we feed them, I don't realize how small they are until I am hit with reality like that. But the feeding program is so great. It gives an opportunity for us to empower women. Uh, in Zimbabwe, it's very common for women not to really have any roles in the church. And so they're just told to be quiet and sit in the back. And so the bottom middle picture, you can see that we have four women from the Amazon community, and they're in charge of cooking for these kids, you know, keeping the kids in line, uh, bringing the kids there, serving the kids. And so it's very empowering to give this opportunity to women for them to serve, for them to serve Jesus. And it's a very beautiful thing because they're very passionate about it. When they give an, get an opportunity to work, they want to work. And they do it completely on a volunteer basis. The only thing that they get is just a, uh, the leftover food, if we have any. And so they're very, very, very giving with their time. Lessons for couples. This is extremely important uh, for building the church. A church is nothing if it doesn't have strong families in it. Because those strong families are the ones who raise their children. And those children that they raise, they're going to be the next pillars of the church one day. And so in Zimbabwe, we want to hold marriage seminars and things that are able to uh, revitalize people's marriages. You can see here on the left, this is called Labola. You're not ever supposed to have a picture of this, but somehow I found it on the internet, so I'm going to show it to you. Uh, The man in the middle... He is on his knees humbling himself before his father, or soon-to-be father-in-law, and his father-in-law's brothers, his soon-to-be uncles. He is currently counting money on how much he's going to pay for his new bride. And so you can see not only is there money in his hand, there behind him there are a lot of cushions, there are a lot of bed sheets, and uh, some glass sodas. And so that way he's going to give all of these things as gifts to that family to pay for his new bride. In our culture, that's very shocking. This is not something that we see, you know, buying a woman. But it's very commonplace in Zimbabwe. They see it in a completely different light. Many times women brag about it. Uh, For example, if I was bought for ten cows, I guess I could brag a little bit because this girl over here was only bought for three And so I'm worth seven more cows than she is. And so they see it much in a different way. For us, it's like buying a human. For us, it's kind of like slavery. But for them, they see it in a way as they're paying back 
uh, their parents for showing them, you know, this is how much I love your daughter, or this is how much I respect you for raising the daughter that I want to marry. And so they, they see it in different ways, but because of this, it often leads to domestic abuse. Uh, this thing of seeing women as property, you can see in the right image there, uh, the smaller image, that it's a man. In his left hand, he's holding his child off of the ground, and then in the wi- his uh, right hand, he's got his wife, and he's uh, physically assaulting her. Domestic abuse is very commonplace in Zimbabwe. And the left picture at the top, this was a heartbreaking moment. During one of our lessons for couples, we brought in all the church members who were married and ones who were potentially going to be married soon. And we just gave them biblical principles of marriage. How a husband is supposed to love his wife like Christ loved the church. How a wife is supposed to be submissive. How you're supposed to treat your children. How your children are supposed to treat you. And so we just gave them basic biblical principles and showed them some examples in the Bible of what not to do. Because many times in the Old Testament, that's what we're given. Examples of what not to be to your wife or what not to be to your husband. And so during this, a lady raised her hand and she asked the question, if my husband's not allowed to hit me, how will he correct me? If my husband's not allowed to hit me, how will he tell me that I'm doing something wrong? How will I remember in the future not to do this? And that was the woman asking the question. You know, it's not the man raising his hand and wanting to know how he can keep his wife in her place. It was the woman who asked the question of why can't my husband hit me as if that's okay. And so this is something that has to be changed in Zimbabwe, especially in the church. You know, we've had so many success stories with these, these uh, married couples being reunited together. There was a couple in Amazon who the wife had been coming to church for quite a long time. And she was baptized, and she kept on coming to church, and she was eager to learn about the Bible. And her husband was estranged. He was living off in another town. And the daughters and the mother kept on telling the husband, come to church with us, come to church, come to church, come to church. And then finally... He comes to church. And it's not too long before he is baptized. And that family is now living together. And they're loving each other. And that man has become the spiritual pillar in that household and the spiritual pillar in the Amazon Church of Christ. And so the Lessons for Couples is such a beautiful program. And we plan on having these uh, lessons for every church that we plant. Because it's something that needs to be heard throughout Zimbabwe. In the right photo, this is kind of like the first five. It's a little group that we got together of people who are young, uh, not only in their faith, but in their age and their marriage. And so they were married for five years or less, and we got them all together, and we got a, uh, a Christian couple who had been married for many years, and they came, and they gave us life lessons. And uh, one of the things that I got from that, and it was, it was very funny, but it, he has a point. He said that one of the best things that he's done throughout his marriage is that he washes his own socks and underwear. And he says, men, when you go into the shower, take your socks and your underwear with you, and you wash them there in the shower yourself. And he says, you will never in your life get into a fight with your wife over what she did with your socks and your underwear 
And it, it's silly. It is. We laugh about it, but it's so true. Because in a country where the woman washes all the clothes by hand, if you just take socks and underwear, just the smallest garments, but it's oftentimes the ones that we misplace the most, and we just wash those ourselves. One, it shows your wife that you care, you know, that you're actually washing a little bit of the load, which is very rare in Zimbabwe. But, I mean, it's, it's just very, very important that you show your wife that you, you know what she's doing and you appreciate her. And so I really enjoyed uh, the first five that we had there. This is a new program that we're going to be starting in 2020 uh, when we fundraise for it. It's called Wills for Ministers. In Zimbabwe, it's very common for a minister to have many congregations that he goes to and he is in charge of these congregations. So, for example, I'm a minister in Zimbabwe, and I have three different congregations that I go to every Sunday. Uh, this congregation, they meet early in the morning, and then after lunchtime, I go to another congregation in the next village, and then I go a little bit farther than that, and then I have another uh, lesson with another congregation in a village farther away that evening. And so these men who travel and wear themselves out every Sunday... They walk by foot. And so we were trying to figure out a way to empower those ministers and to give them encouragement at the same time. You know, the, you know, we see what you're doing and we appreciate what you're doing for the kingdom. And so this, I love this saying, it's this is not a bike. This is an engine for economic and cultural empowerment. And so these bikes, they mean business, I'm telling you. It's got all these little... Uh, of course, it was created by the company who made the bikes, but it's got all these little things to kind of hype up the bike and make it seem really neat. Uh, they are thick. You know, the bikes that we get in America, they're maybe, you know, the size of a quarter, the size of the frame it is. No, these bikes, I'm telling you, the frame is thick. They're made for the Zimbabwean roads, which means no roads at all. And so these bikes, the uh, back, you've got a little back place where you can put... Uh, rice or suds of their staple food, and it's able to carry around 220 pounds just on the back of the bike. And so these bikes, they're uh, puncture-proof tires, and they're made to last in the country of Zimbabwe. And so not only will we be giving these bikes to ministers, but we'll also be having a seminar. Many of these ministers are not trained like myself or Uncle Larry are trained. They didn't go to a university. They didn't go to a preaching college. What they did is they grew up in the church, and then they felt called by God, and so now they're going out, and they may have started some new congregations, and they're teaching those congregations the best they can. So these men, we've been approached by them many times, they want seminars. They want something like this, to where they're able to come to Bulawayo for maybe a week, and able to learn things that they didn't know about the Bible. Things that maybe in the Greek have a completely different meaning from what they read in the English or the Debele version. And so we're very excited about that opportunity. And this bike, once they receive it at the end of the program, it's almost like a certificate to say, you know, I was trained through the Zimbabwe Missions Wills for Ministers program, and I have this bike now. This picture on the right here, this is normally what you see. There's a lot of cobblers in Zimbabwe. Uh, but cobbling in Zimbabwe is a little bit different uh, than it is in the old world and the new world. It's a mixture of both. What they do is they take tires that have been removed from cars and they cut flip-flops out of the tires. And now some of them are really neat. I bought my father a pair of these uh, tire flip-flops and they're really neat. I mean, they've got 
this really cool little pattern on them and they've got a leather strap over the top. But that's not the case many times. Many times it's just the bottom's still got the tread on it and then you've got a little strap over the top with nails sticking out the sides to hold the strap to the flip-flop. And so when we talk about ministers walking, many times you have to realize that these ministers walk in shoes like that or many times barefoot. And so these bikes just... Just such an empowerment for these ministers. The Wells for Communities Project, um, beautiful verse here, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. When we plant our building there in Zababa, we're going to have a well on the church building campus. And that gives an opportunity for the community, number one, because these women have to walk two kilometers in Sapaba every day to the well that's nearest them. So the nearest source of water, two kilometers away, that's about um, 1.5 miles, and then they have to walk 1.5 miles back. And so you can imagine walking three miles there and back with a five-gallon bucket full of water, and then you have to do that multiple times a day, especially if you're cooking And if you're bathing, you have to probably make the trip five times, depending on how many family family members you have. And so to have a well, and you can see there's a picture of a well, a pump there on the left, to have a well there on the church campus gives us such a powerful opportunity to witness to people. Because the minister is going to be living there on campus, but also the church members themselves will be going to the campus and taking care of the well, and they will have so many opportunities to just share the Word of God with people. Because they have to come to the church campus to get water unless they want to walk three miles. And I mean, you have to hate Jesus quite a lot to walk three miles with a big gallon bucket on your head. And so many people there who haven't even heard the name of Jesus are so receptive. And so this is such a beautiful project. I'm very excited about it. And uh, I'm in charge of going and talking to the construction company and they're, they're very excited uh, about having Americans come in and possibly working with us more in the future. And so our tentative plans for 2020, uh, through January and February, we're going to be preparing the USA. And so we're going to be doing things uh, just like this. Going around to different congregations, uh, talking to them about our financial needs, talking to them about what we've been up to in 2019, what we plan on doing in 2020. And then uh, February through September, we're going to be in the mission field. We're going to be doing the wills for ministers. We're going to be uh, making sure that the Sapaba Church of Christ is firm in its foundation, making sure that they're able to stand on their own when we leave them. And then I'm very blessed because September 19th, I'm going to come back to the States. My younger brother, Matthew, is getting married. And so he has asked me to officiate his wedding. And so I'm, I'm very blessed there. And uh, we plan on returning September 19th. And then we plan on returning back to Zimbabwe sometime between October and December. Uh, there's no date right now, just simply because we haven't purchased the tickets. Um, but really, our plan is always to follow where the Lord leads us. One of the wisest men that I've ever met on the mission field says there's one word that every missionary needs to know and have engraved on his heart, and that's flexibility. Because so many times when you're on the mission field and you have a plan to do this and you have plans to do that, That's not always where God wants you to be. That's not always what God wants you to do. And so we're very uh, 
very privileged to have so many people, especially in our family, who have been on the mission field and they give us advice. Um, we always like to show this slide because it really does tell you where we are. So currently, uh, we need a ticket back to Zimbabwe. And the ticket price is about $6,000. They fluctuate up and down. The closer to the departure date you get, if you haven't bought the ticket, that price is just going to go up and up and up and up. And so we won't be going back into Zimbabwe until we have raised all the funds for our programs throughout the year. Because it would be silly for us to go back and not even have money to do the Wheels for Ministries program or not have money to drill the well. And so as the Lord provides for us, uh, it will adjust our dates accordingly. But right now we need a ticket back to Zimbabwe. Uh, the well, they call it a borehole in Zimbabwe, but the well at the church building is about $7,610. Very exact because that's what the quote said. Um, many times we see on Facebook that wells are about three, dollars $4,000 to drill. It's extremely true, but you also have to put a pump on top of that well. Because if you just have a hole in the ground, it's not really useful to anyone. You have to put something on top of that, so that way they can pump water out. Uh, refrigerator and stove, we've recently moved, and so we uh, needed to get new appliances. The new place that we're renting from, they don't have a refrigerator or stove or a generator. Uh, the situation in Zimbabwe right now is pretty dire. They have an extreme drought, and the country is mostly hydroelectric. And so when you don't have any water in the dam for the generator to turn, you don't have any electricity. And so many times when we're there, we just don't have electricity. They like to turn the electricity on at 11 o'clock at night, and then they leave it on until about 4 the next morning. So most people can't use it. But usually we plug in our phones, and so they're able to charge over the night. Um, and the church building plant is $25,000. That includes the, uh, the toilets, the pavilion, which is going to be the thatch roof pavilion with the concrete floors, just like it was in Amazon, uh, and the minister's house. And so currently, what we have raised about $1,451. And uh, we've been raising this month of January. We were given advice to take off the month of December when we were here to give us time to recharge, and I'm so glad that we did because we were very beat. Um, but I've got a little bit of time left, and so I would like to have an open floor. Um, many times people have questions, but sometimes I don't always touch those questions that they have in my presentation. And so if you would, just raise your hand and ask your question. It can be about anything. It can be, what do you eat over there? You know, what, where is the, what's the population of Zimbabwe? That's one that's always been asked to me. It's about... Eight million total, and so if you have any questions, if you could just raise your hand now. Yes, ma'am. You said that you have were giving out Bibles. What is the education status of these places that you're giving the Bibles? Are they able to read? Are they uh, taught to read? They're only. I know that when we were working uh, just at the church back home in Florida, we had a lot of migrant workers. Mm-hmm. Children reading to the parents, or the parents having an education, also, or is that eligible for 
we're actually very blessed in Zimbabwe. Um, Zimbabwe, when it first established itself as a uh, country, the number one thing on their mind was education. And so luckily, when we go to the rural areas, even the most remote part of the bush, and they only speak Dabele, they can read in Dabele. Because all these people, they went to school. Now, the school system in Zimbabwe is a little bit trickier because it's paid. And so there's no free education like we have here in the States. And so it puts a massive financial burden on the parents because the job and the employment rate in Zimbabwe, I didn't say this, the unemployment rating right now in Zimbabwe is 90%. And so these people, they don't really have ways to make money, but they scrounge every little bit. They get side jobs of everything they can do to send their kids to school. And so many times when we hand out Bibles in their own language, I've only met a couple of people who could not read in their own language. And actually it was pretty nice because they were much older people and they got their grandchildren to come and read to them. And so it was like creating a little uh, family Bible study together. But the, the literacy rate is very high in Zimbabwe. Any other questions? What about your weather you deal with? The weather in Zimbabwe is hot. It's hot all the time, nearly. Uh, you have two major seasons, wet and dry. Uh, but recently, with the drought, the wet season's been dry. And so it's pretty much just hot all the time. Um, it's flip-flopped a little bit. So their coolest time of the year is during our hottest time of the year. And so when you get to May, uh, June, July, and August, they're actually in the coolest part of the year. And so it gets to about... Uh, does sound like a nuclear alarm going off. <laughs> but it gets to about maybe uh, high 50s, low 60s. And to them, they feel like they're freezing. Because, you know, normally it's very cold. I mean, very hot there. But uh, do I have another bell, or is that, is that it right there? I think we have one more. Okay, one more alarm. But uh, it's, it's very hot, and uh, there's no humidity unless you're near Victoria Falls. And then because of the waterfall putting... Uh, water moisture into the atmosphere, it drastically changes the environment around the falls. Are there any other questions? Well, Zimbabwe is a very strange situation. They are one of the only countries in the entire world that experience something called hyperinflation. And the best way that I can explain that to you is that if you're on the bread aisle, and you see that the bread is marked $19, if you leave that aisle and come back during the same shopping experience, it could have gone up 3 or $4. And it's just a wild thing. You know, even me explaining it to you right there, it's not something you could ever imagine until you're in that situation. Because it's just, you know, it's, it's just wild. You never, you never know what's going to happen. But luckily, they usually price these Bibles in U.S. And so they're about $10 a Bible. Uh, with hyperinflation, sometimes it works out that we can get them much cheaper than $10, but the same goes for the other way, where sometimes they're much more expensive than $10. Yes, you really do. Thank you all so much uh, for listening to me. Uh, we really do thank uh, the Midway Church of Christ for allowing us to come and speak.